Hello, Lakeview Church. Oh, you guys are doing a good job, doing a good job. Just want to say welcome. We're so glad that you're here. And want to just take a moment and look right in that camera and welcome everybody who's joining us online. Thanks so much for taking time out of your weekend to, to log in and be with us. And whether you're watching this live in the moment or later this week on demand, we just want to say a special welcome to you. And for those of you here in the room, I know you want to say hi to all those people online. So would you welcome them this morning? For those of you who don't know me, my name is Chris Williams, and I get to serve here as the lead pastor, and it's just a joy uh, to get to walk alongside of this community of faith uh, in all that God has asked us to do. And if uh, you're here for the first time, or maybe this is the thousandth time you've been here, I want to just remind every single one of us that we are an everyday church for everyday people, and we are striving to follow Jesus, live generously, and make a difference every single day. And we want to invite you into that journey with us. Jared's talked about small groups. And we if you're not in a small group, we want to encourage you to join one. It's a great way for you to get plugged into life here at Lakeview Church. And so we want to encourage you to do that. These are exciting days at Lakeview Church, and we got lots of stuff going on. This last Wednesday night, we started Wednesdays at Lakeview, and we had a meal down in our cafeteria, uh, and we had 87 people that came for dinner on Wednesday night. It was an exciting time. Someone asked me, is this just leftover food from school? No. No, it is not that. We are actually preparing a meal for you when you come. And so for just $5 a person, you can join us every Wednesday night at 5 p.m. Uh, and we've got a dinner there. It's a great time for you to fellowship, meet some new people, and make some connections with others. And so we would encourage you to do that. And then on the first Wednesday of every month, like this last Wednesday, we have a worship service. And so we had 143 people here on Wednesday night. We had a wonderful time, all ages in the room, worship. God together. We celebrated communion and then the kids branched off and we had Bible teaching in here. And then April, our children's director did the same message for the kids. And so her and I collaborated together on that message and we walked through Philippians chapter three and it was a great time. And this coming Wednesday night, we'll have ministry for the entire family. Uh, it's a little bit different when it's uh, every other Wednesday of the month besides the first Wednesday. Uh, we'll come for dinner at five and then at 6 p.m. we have uh, ministry to kids. We have ministry for youth. And then we have adult small groups and workshops that are happening in the building so the entire family can come and it's just an opportunity for us to grow deeper as a church. And so if you wanna get involved, we would encourage you to come this Wednesday night and uh, make that a part of your weekly schedule. There are other things going on though besides Wednesdays at Lakeview. In fact, next Sunday, we're gonna be privileged to have a couple special guests with us. And I'm so excited about this opportunity that I can't wait until next Sunday. I gotta tell you about it today. Uh, we've got Dr. Henry Smith, who was the former president of Indiana Wesleyan University, along with Bishop Alfred Colombo. Uh, they're going to be with us next Sunday. Uh, Bishop Colombo is the former bishop of the Pilgrim Wesleyan Church in the nation of Zambia, and they're going to be here with us next week, and they're going to be sharing about a vision to start a Wesleyan University in Zambia. 
And they're looking for church partners to come alongside that project. And Lakeview Church has been invited to be the first church to partner with this project. And uh, when they asked me, I spent about three seconds praying about it and then just said, yes, the Lord is leading us into this and we're excited about it. And so next week, you'll get to hear about that. We're gonna challenge the congregation to give an offering. And so you can be praying even now, asking God, God, what do you want us to give as this kind of initial gift to help this university get started? We're gonna have opportunities to take trips there and help with work teams and actually build buildings on the college campus. We're going to have opportunity for guest lecturers to go over and serve by lecturing at the university. We're going to have opportunities to partner with a church in Zambia and help them in doing outreach and ministry in their community. So there's going to be lots of opportunities and it's going to be an exciting partnership for our church over these next few years. And next Sunday, you're going to want to be here because you'll hear the vision for this university. And so we're excited about that. And then coming on October the 1st, Men, you can tune out just for a moment. This is not for you. This is for the women in the room. On October 1st, we have a simulcast with Priscilla Shire. And this is a great opportunity for you to gather with other women, not just from our church, though we want every woman in our church to be at this simulcast, but it's also an opportunity for you to gather with women from other churches, not just in our town or county, but all over the region. They literally come from all over to be a part of this. And it's a great opportunity for you to connect with other women. And so I wanna encourage you to be a part of this. You might say, how much does an event like this cost me to register for? And it's already been provided for. There's no charge for you to come to this event. So all you need to do is register so that we can plan on you being here. And if you wanna know how to register, just go back there to those purple tables back there, the pretty ones. And then, and then that's where you can register and pick up information. And wanna just encourage you to be there. And I wanna encourage you to bring people with you. So please do that. That's coming on October the 1st. Now, today is a second message in our series, Conversations with Jesus, and we're going to dig into John chapter 4. So if you have a Bible or you've got a device that has a Bible on it, would encourage you to find John chapter 4. We're going to read it in just a moment. You may or may not know this, but Jesus was quite a conversationalist. He was someone who spent a good majority of his time in his ministry actually engaging in conversation with people. So when you think about Jesus' life and ministry, he was on this earth for about 33 years. And for the first 30 of those years, he really was kind of in obscurity. He didn't have a public ministry. He wasn't teaching crowds. He wasn't performing miracles. He wasn't really doing anything in public ministry. But those last three years approximately, he was kind of doing his ministry. He had been baptized and then he started teaching the crowds and started performing miracles. And when you really study those three years of his life, what you find is that in that limited amount of time, Jesus spent a lot of those three years just talking to people. Sometimes Jesus had a very uh, intentional effort to engage people in conversation. He would pick someone out and he would go to that person and he would talk to them and he would have a conversation with them about their life. And he would take these ordinary moments of life and turn them into extraordinary moments that change the trajectory of someone's life. Other times, people would start the conversation with Jesus. They'd come with questions, and Jesus would tell stories, or he would respond to their questions, usually by giving them questions. And he would engage them in conversation. 
Sometimes he would talk to individual people just one-on-one. Sometimes he would talk to groups of people, but he would have these conversations. And in every single one of them, regardless of the circumstance or the situation, whether he's talking to one person or a group of people, whether he started the conversation or they asked him a question to get things rolling, Jesus had one purpose in each one of those conversations. He was talking to them with the purpose of changing their lives. He was was leading them to a place of life change. Because this is why Jesus came. He came to save people. He came to change lives. He came to put people back on the right path again. So every time he enters into a conversation, he's got that purpose in mind. And during this series, we're simply looking at these conversations that really were leading people to life change to see what we might learn from them. And today we're looking at a passage of scripture in John chapter four, and I wanna read it for you. So just kind of put yourself in this story as we read it today. John chapter four, beginning in verse one. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and he returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refuse to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, if only you knew the gift that God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband for you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshiped? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. 
The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. And then just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and she ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So in this passage of scripture, I think there are four images that I think kind of capture the heart of this particular conversation that Jesus is having with this woman. Four images that I think might help us understand some of what Jesus is trying to accomplish in this conversation with this woman at the well. And the first image is that of an eraser. School just started and maybe you're thinking about erasers too. Just, you know, all of that ability to just erase the lines that you put on the paper that aren't correct. You just get rid of them, right? Or now that everything is digital, you just use the backspace button, right? We get rid of things. Jesus in this passage is actually erasing some lines that have been drawn pretty clearly in his culture. And he's erasing some lines because he actually wants to invite this woman in to a conversation with him. And the lines would actually keep her outside of a conversation with Jesus. And so Jesus has to get rid of the lines because he wants to talk to her. And you can see the lines if you read this conversation carefully. The first line is the line that's drawn in Jesus' culture between Jews and Samaritans. When Jesus starts a conversation with this woman, the very first thing that she says is, what do you want with me? You're a Jew, remember? And I'm a Samaritan. Now, we don't maybe understand this in our culture like they would have in Jesus' day, but Jews and Samaritans, they weren't friends. They they didn't get along. And that's not even strong enough. They, They didn't like each other. And we might even say that they hated each other. This is why Jesus' story about the quote-unquote good Samaritan has shock value. We don't read it and see the shock value, but the Jews would have because a Samaritan could do nothing good. Why would you ever call a Samaritan good? That's not how we think about Samaritans in Jesus' day. So Jesus is a Jew and he's talking to a Samaritan just outside of this village at the well. And there's a line there that's not supposed to be crossed. And yet Jesus just erases that line and enters into a conversation. Now, it's not the only line that Jesus erases. He erases a line between a man and a woman in that culture. You see this line when the disciples say, They were shocked that he was talking to a woman and they didn't even have the nerve to say, what did you want with her? Why were you talking to her? This is not something that men did in public culture. If you weren't related to a woman, you didn't have a conversation with her in public. And Jesus sees that line in his culture and he just erases it. 
because he wants to talk to this woman. He wants to have a conversation with her. Not only did he cross that line, but, but, but think about what's going on inside of this woman's life. She's coming to draw water, not in the morning like everyone else did. She's coming to draw water in the middle of the day. Do you have an idea why she's coming in the middle of the day? Because everybody else has already drawn their water and they've already gone home. She's coming to draw water in the middle of the day because she's not a person with a good reputation. She's had five husbands and the man she's living with now is not her husband and she's living in that reality and in that culture she would have encountered incredible shame for living that kind of lifestyle. And so she comes to the well at noon when no one else is there. She thinks she's gonna be by herself where her shame will be hidden and she finds Jesus. And Jesus erases a line that might exist between him as a Jewish man talking to a Samaritan woman who doesn't have a good reputation. Jesus just erases that line. Why? Because he wants to have a conversation with her. This is who Jesus is. And I think this has implications for us in the room today because you might be here and you might be trying to figure out this whole God thing and figure out where Jesus fits in your life or even just trying to figure out who Jesus is and whether or not you want to follow him with your life. And I just want to let you know, whatever you might think would keep you from having a conversation with Jesus, I just want you to know Jesus just erases all of those lines. He just opens up the conversation, says, come on in. I love you enough to accept you as you are, where you are. Listen, if you are thinking in your own heart and mind, I got to do some things in my life so that I could be ready to have a conversation with Jesus, I want to just tell you, stop thinking that way. There is not a single thing that you need to do to prepare to have a conversation with Jesus. Just come as you are. This woman was able to walk into a conversation with Jesus because Jesus got rid of all the lines. He just made the pathway clear for her. And he just opened the way for her to come and have this conversation. And, and for those of us who are walking with Jesus, it's a good reminder for us that we have to be really careful that we don't spend all of our time drawing lines that would keep people away from Jesus. Sometimes we do this. You can't talk to Jesus because your life's not clean enough. You don't look like us. You don't think like us. You don't behave like us. And we just erect barriers and we do this and it keeps people away from Jesus. And I want to say, that's not the heart of Jesus. Jesus says, I want my people to be radically hospitable, that people can come as they are. Because Jesus is welcoming and accepting. There is nothing that you have done. There's nothing that defines who you are today that prohibits you from having a conversation with Jesus. You're welcome to talk with him. And as a church, we can't do anything to get in the way of people having a conversation with Jesus. The early church recognized this. And in Galatians 3, verse 28, they, they actually addressed this idea of lines. They said, in Christ, there isn't Jew or Gentile. There isn't slave or free. There isn't male or female. We are all one in Christ. Everybody is welcome into his family and into his house. And, and we need to remember this 
in our day and in our time. And I know what some of you might be thinking because I, I think it too when I talk like this. Does that mean we don't have any more standards and there's no, no ethics for the Christian life and, and just kind of love Jesus and do as you please? And, and I wanna just make it really clear that Jesus always loves us enough to say, come as you are, but he also loves us enough to help us become who he wants us to be. He does not leave us where we are. And it's really important for us to understand that, that we get rid of the lines so people can come and have a conversation with Jesus because the most important thing in a person's life is knowing who Jesus is. When you know who Jesus is, then your life in him can be built. But if we spend all of our time drawing lines and telling people, you got to do X, Y, and Z so that you can be a part of this community, people could actually do everything we're asking them to do, but still be missing the most important component, a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is why when we go out and, and we try to you know, make laws that will help people like, behave the way we want them to behave, while, while I don't discredit that as something we ought to give ourselves to because we ought to stand for things that are right and things that are true and we ought to work for justice in this world, but we must always remember that even if we got every law just the way we wanted it to be and everybody abided by those laws perfectly, they would still spend an eternity separated from Christ if they don't have a relationship with him. Because what matters in life is that you find and encounter and experience Jesus. And that's what we want. So I want to encourage us to think about the eraser. That we would erase the lines and just welcome people in as they are. And that if you're one of those people who says, I got to do something to fix my life so I can talk to Jesus, I want to just let you know, no, you don't. Just come. Just come as you are and encounter Jesus. There's a second image that I think comes out in this conversation, and it's the image of a gift. It's the image of a gift. In John chapter 4, verse 10, Jesus says, if you knew who was speaking to you, and if you knew the gift that God wanted to give to you, you would actually ask me and I would give you living water. And this living water that I would give you, I would put inside of you and it would be the spring that would bubble up inside of you and you would never be thirsty again. And I love what the woman says. She says, give me this water then I'll never have to come in the middle of the day and face my shame again. She's like, I just want to have water that will satisfy my thirst. Listen, Jesus has a gift that he wants to give to this woman in this moment. And it's a gift that will change everything about her life. He wants to give her living water that will produce in her everlasting life. When you go back and translate it in the original language, it's not just life that starts after death. Sometimes we think about that when we hear the term everlasting life. It certainly includes that, that it's going to last forever, but it's actually saying something more, not just about the duration of life, but the quality of life. This is life of the ages that is going to get planted inside of this woman. She knows about the importance of water in her culture. 
and she knows about the cost of water. Every day, she's got to get up, carry the jars to the well. She's got to draw water out of the well, put them in the jars, and then carry the heavy jars back to her house. She knows that without water, she can't live. And she knows that every single day, she's going to have to pay the price to get that water. And Jesus uses the image that's right there available to him to say, I'm going to give you living water that will produce life in you. And here's the best part. It's a free gift. This water that I'm going to put inside of you is way more important than the water you're drawing from this well. And I'm going to give it to you freely. You don't have to do anything to earn it. You don't have to draw it out of the well. You don't have to travel to get it. I'm going to put it inside of you as a free gift. And I want to just say to everybody in this room right now that you have an opportunity to receive life, life of the ages, the best life you could possibly ever experience. You can receive that from God as a free gift. He wants you to have it. In fact, it is the most important desire that God has for you, that you would have life and you would have it to the full. Back in Genesis, when God created human beings, he created us to live life in a perfect way where we would thrive and we would have fulfillment and peace and joy and everything around us would be just as it was supposed to be. No brokenness, no dysfunction, nothing wrong, nothing out of place. That's the kind of life that God envisioned for us. But pretty early in the story, as you read the Bible, what you find is that human beings, we just went our own way. We thought that what God had promised to us wasn't good enough. And we thought maybe we could find something better if we just went our own direction. And this is the problem of humanity and it's the problem we still have today. God offers to us life and life to the full, but we think we can find something better if we just go our own way. But I want to remind us today that God's inviting us to find life the way he intended it to be in him. And some of you are here today and you are searching for life. You want to find fulfillment. You're looking for peace. You're looking for something to satisfy the deep cravings of your soul. And everywhere you look and everything you try, you just keep coming up empty. And I want to tell you that the reason you're coming up empty might be because you're looking in the wrong place. If you are looking for fulfillment and peace and contentment and joy and happiness in all of the other places except in the life that God has for you, you will never find what you are looking for. And the most loving thing that I could do for you today is just tell you, God has a gift for you. And it's really important. It's the most important thing in your life. And it does not cost you anything to get it. And it will demand something from your life. Because Jesus is going to shape you and form you to be who he wants you to be. But to receive this gift, you don't have to pay anything. You don't have to do, because Jesus paid for it. He purchased the gift and he's just giving it to you. He's just extending it to you today if you will receive it. Jesus erases all of the lines that would keep this woman out of a conversation with him. And then he gives her a gift. You can have life. 
inside of you, life of the ages, life the way it was intended to be. There's an eraser, there's a gift. Third, there's a key. Jesus gives her a key in this conversation. I I love how the conversation unfolds because as they're talking, um, Jesus starts to kind of read her mail. You might not be familiar with that, but some of you are because you've actually told me to stop reading your mail sometimes when I preach. And, and it's not me who's been reading your mail, it's God. And he's just convicting you of something in your life. But, but Jesus has been reading her mail. He says, go get your husband, trick question. Because sometimes Jesus likes to do those things in a conversation. Go get your husband. And she's honest with him. She says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, oh, you've spoken truthfully. You don't have a husband. You've had five. And now the man you're with isn't your husband. Jesus knows everything there is to know about this woman's life. And yet he's still having a conversation with her. He accepts her as She is right where she is. But she begins to recognize that Jesus is more than just a Jewish man wanting some water at a well. He says, she says, I think you might be a prophet. So I've got some questions. It's interesting to know that she's processing some spiritual things in her life. She says, my people say that you worship on this mountain at this prescribed time and in this prescribed way, but you Jews say it's a different mountain altogether. Which one is it? We both can't be right. And Jesus offers her a key to unlock this life that he wants her to live. He says, listen to me, a time is coming. And in fact, it has now come when true worshipers won't worship on this mountain or that one, but they will worship in spirit and in truth. In fact, these are the kind of worshipers that the father is actually looking for right now. People who don't constrict their worship to a certain time, on a certain day, in a certain place, doing certain rituals, but people who view their entire life as an offering of worship to God. This is a key to full life in him. And Jesus is offering that to her in this moment. Right? We need to hear this because I think that there are some of us who think that worship happens 10.30 on Sunday morning in this room, and when it's over, then we can just go do all the stuff we really want to do. And that's not how worship works. This is a special moment of worship because we're all gathered together and God is here in our midst. He meets with us in a special way when we're gathered like this, but the reality is if we want to live our life to the full, if we want to live life the way God intends us to live it, we have to discover how to live every moment of every day in love and honor of our God. That's what Jesus is telling this woman. He's giving her a key that it's not about this mountain or that mountain. It's not about this time or these rituals. It's about you learning to live your life completely for God. This is what you and I are called to. I I was thinking about this and thinking about the fact that, that I'm not just married when I'm with my wife. Right, like it would be weird if, if I was only married to her when we were in the same room together. 
But then when I leave that room, we're no longer married and I can do whatever I want and she can do whatever she wants. And then when we come back together in the same room, then we're married again. And we live by our marriage vows only when we're in the same room together. Well, that wouldn't be much of a marriage, would it? And yet some of us treat our relationship with God exactly the same way. We come into a room and we're like, okay, now you're my God. And we lift our hands and we sing our songs and we pray our prayers. And then as soon as the service is over, we go out and we're like, okay, now I can do whatever I want because I got that out of my system. And now I can just live my life until next week when we're back in the room together and then I'll be a Christian again. That is not the key to living the life God has for you to live. He actually wants you to live every moment of every day, loving him, honoring him, because you are his child 24-7. Not just when you're in a room with other people who love him, but every moment of every day, even when no one's looking. And that's the key to living life the way God wants us to live it. Now, Jesus erases the lines in this woman's life and allows her to have a conversation with him. He offers her a gift. He gives her a key to understanding some spiritual questions that she's been having, helping her understand how to frame her life to live for him. But there's one more image I see in this passage, and it's the image of a magnet. As this conversation unfolds, she leaves her water jar at the well. She runs back into town and she says, you got to come see this guy. He told me everything I ever did. Everything I ever did. I think he might be the Messiah. You guys got to come. And I love what it says. The village streamed out to see Jesus. You see, when you are a person who you've had the lines erased and you've sat down and you've had a conversation with Jesus and he's given you the gift of life and you've experienced that for yourself and you begin to discover the key to living all of life for the God who loves you and saves you and redeems you, you can't help but become a magnet for him. You start attracting other people to him. It's just part of the way it's supposed to work. This is why Jesus, whenever he called people, said, come follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of people. I'm going to send you out to go fish for people. Why? Because when we encounter Jesus, we can't help but become magnetic to draw other people towards him. And some of you have been walking with Jesus, maybe just for a short time, maybe for a long time, but I think we all need to kind of ramp up that magnetism again. To just be reminded that Jesus made a way for us to have life. And we ought to let that so consume us that we would be telling others about him all the time and attracting them into a conversation with Jesus. Now, some of you are here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you got invited by a friend. Maybe you just decided to show up today and maybe this whole God thing is still just a big question mark in your mind. You're not sure how it works or where it fits or if it fits. But this morning, maybe for the first time, it started to make sense to you that you've been searching for life in all these other places and you haven't been able to find it. 
And every, every turn, every place you look, every experience you have, you think you're gonna find it behind that next door and you open that door and it's not there either. And you're looking for it, man, you want it so bad. You wanna have peace and contentment. You wanna have, you wanna have a solid foundation for your life to stand on. You wanna have a sense of joy and fulfillment. You wanna find meaning and purpose and you're looking for it in all kinds of things. I just wanna tell you right now, your search could end today if you just turn to Jesus. If you knew who was in the room talking to you, not me, but him, if you knew him, you would ask him and he would give you living water. He would put it inside of you and it would never, ever run dry. And so this morning, as we close out this message, I wanna just invite you to take just a moment to reflect on your journey and where you're at with God today. And to do that, I wanna ask you, if you would, just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And, and I really don't want anybody looking around because I really wanna just try to create, if we can, just a private, personal moment for people with the Lord. And so I don't want anybody in this room to be worried about who's watching. Is anybody gonna see me? This is just a moment between you and the Lord. And this morning, as you're sitting there and you're thinking about where you stand with God, the question I have for you is this, do you have that gift of life? Have you ever in your life opened your heart to God to say, I wanna have life inside of me? I want, I want God, you to put your life inside of my heart and inside of me. Have you ever had that moment? And if you haven't had that moment and you want to, I wanna just take a moment to guide you through how that looks and what that looks like. We're told in the Bible that in Romans chapter 10, verses nine and 10, we're told that anybody who believes in their heart, in other words, they decide they're gonna put their faith in Jesus, they're gonna trust him for this life and they confess it with their mouth. They make a commitment that they're gonna live for Jesus for the rest of their days. In that moment, you are made right with God. And in that moment, God puts his life inside of you. John chapter one, verse 12 says to everybody who believes in him, he gives them the right to be called the children of God. And when you believe in Jesus, he puts his spirit inside of you and that spirit actually adopts you into the family of God and you become a child of God and you can now call God your father. And some of you, you need to make that commitment today. And so here's what I want us to do. Again, nobody's looking around. I'm not gonna call you. I'm not gonna embarrass you. This is a personal moment between you and the Lord. You can go public with your faith later when you get into the waters of baptism and we can talk about that some other time. But this morning, if you're here and you sense the Lord knocking on the door of your heart and asking you to, to let him in, if you, wanna, if you wanna welcome the gift of life that he's giving you, all I want you to do today is just simply raise your hand right where you're at and I'm gonna lead you through a prayer. I see that hand. Anybody else, just raise it up high. Yep, I see that hand. Anybody else? Raise it up high and keep it up. We wanna pray with you. I see that hand, yes. Anybody else?
For those of you who raised your hand, again, everybody still heads bowed, eyes closed. I wanna just encourage you to pray this very simple prayer with me. And for those of you who are joining us online, you can pray this prayer right where you're at. You can feel free to speak it out loud or you can just say it silently in your heart. But I want you to pray this prayer and make this the prayer of your heart. So say these words. Father, I thank you for the gift that you are giving me. I acknowledge today that I need your gift of life. And in this moment, I put my faith in you and I make a commitment to follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you for saving my soul Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you for adopting me into your family. Thank you for making me your child. And thank you for letting me call you father. And thank you for the life that you are placing in me right now. God, for these who have just prayed that prayer, Lord, I just want to pray for them right now that you would surround them with your grace, with your love, with your mercy. I pray, Lord, that they would sense even in this moment that they are your children and that they are now welcomed and embraced into your family. And God, I pray that their lives would never, ever be the same. That they would find what it means to truly be alive in you. And God, for what you do in and through them, we're gonna give you the thanks and praise in Jesus' name, amen. Now, congregation, I know you wanna celebrate because three people just accepted Christ and came into his family. So let's celebrate that today. Guys, as we go from this place today, I just want to encourage you. God is is at work among us. He's saving lives. He's changing people. He's doing work inside of each and every one of us. And I just want to encourage you in these days to lean in. And if you've got friends that you want to be here, I want to encourage you on your way out, right by those offering boxes, there are invite cards. I want to encourage you to pick up some of those and invite some people and bring them with you. Be magnetic. Let's go out into this community and invite people in. And let's just pray for people to stream in to have an experience with Jesus. Amen. Brothers and sisters, would you stand with me this morning? I want to just give you words of blessing as you go from this place. My brothers and sisters, I want to remind you as you go from this place today that Jesus provides for us springs of living water that give us life, life of the ages. So go with that life in you and share it with the world around you. You are sent from this place.